Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast for teens and for parents of teens, a podcast to supplement your weekly study of the Come Follow Me curriculum with thoughts, ideas, principles, stories, and questions all geared towards helping teenagers better follow Christ through their teenage years. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show and another edition of the Come Follow Me podcast for teens. I'm your host, Josh Downs, and uh, today we're going to be taking a look at episode 54, chapters 1 through 5 of First Nephi in the Book of Mormon, under the theme, I Will Go and Do. I can already tell that one of the hardest parts about teaching the Book of Mormon this year is going to be limiting it to just a couple principles. There are so many things just jam-packed in all of these chapters um, it's going to be good practice for me to just simplify and reduce some things and and really turn over the fishing pole to you, my listeners, to go and, and to catch all the fish that you can on your own. Sometimes for those of us that have been teaching for a while, it can be very tempting to just hold up all the fish that we've caught. But I'll tell you the mark of a good teacher I've learned is to be able to not share so many fish that the others don't have a chance to fish on their own but that they hold up just enough fish to excite their students to try it themselves. And so that's what I'm hoping that will be accomplished here throughout this podcast is, although there's many things I can share, my hope is that by just sharing a few of these key principles, it will excite you and inspire you to go in and find your own, to catch your own. That, after all, is what this is really all about and uh, will be the best thing that can happen for you in your personal study of the Book of Mormon this year. Now, one quick update before we get into things here today. Since my last episode and the announcement that I would be looking to move towards a subscription-based podcast just to help compensate the time that it takes to put into these, I've received several messages, from some from one group saying, yes, that sounds like a great idea, I'd be happy to support you, and others that have said just the opposite, no, please don't move to a subscription-based podcast. There will be so many that won't be able to access it, please keep it free, well, uh, I've debated a little bit on what would be the best solution, and I think I've come up with something, at least for now, that, that will help. What I would love to do is to keep it free, as I mentioned, just to give everyone the opportunity to, to listen to it, access it, as anyone that would want to. That In a perfect world where money wasn't an issue in time, that would be my choice. But with as long as it takes to put these together, I, I do need some kind of compensation to make worth my time that I am not able to put towards other things, like uh, working a little bit more on my job or with my kids. And so what I think I'm going to do moving forward is, is I will keep the podcast free um, for anyone to be able to access. But I think I will move the transcription as well as the lesson guides and other resources of materials that I will be providing to a subscription-based model or even just make them available individually for you to purchase and use according to whatever needs that you have in, in your teaching of, of young people or just studying it on your own. I think that way it will allow me to have the best of both worlds, where I'm able to keep it free, but also receive some compensation for the uh, efforts and the, the resources that I put out there for others to use. And, and I hope that that will be helpful and, and be kind of a good middle ground for things moving forward. So we'll give that a try. Again, the next couple of weeks, um, I will be putting those resources and the lesson and study guides out there for free so you can kind of see what they're about and uh, use them for the first couple of weeks. And and then from there, if you would like to continue using them, they'll be made available through either a subscription or to be purchased individually. 
Now you should be able to access all of these in a couple places. And I've run into a, a couple hiccups here at the beginning, just getting the technology to work right. But you should be able to find them on my website under joshdowns.com or in the show notes. The link should be clickable to where they can take you to those various things, whether it's the transcript, some of the handouts I'll be putting out there, uh, or the, the study and lesson guide as well. If you run into any issues accessing any of those things, feel free to let me know and I'll see what I can do to remedy it. Now, for this week's study, these are some great chapters, the beginning of the Book of Mormon, chapters 1 through 5. Some great thoughts and principles I'm excited to share with you this week and for to kind of help in, in your personal study, help you discover some amazing things for yourself. The background of this week's study is this. The Book of Mormon begins with an account of a real family experiencing real struggles. It happened in 600 BC, but there are things about this account that might seem familiar to families today. This family was living in a world of wickedness, but the Lord promised them that if they would follow him, he would lead them to safety. Along the way, they had good moments and bad moments, great blessings and miracles, but they also had arguments and contention. Rarely in scripture is there such a detailed account of a family trying to live the gospel, parents struggling to inspire faith in their family and worrying about their safety, children deciding if they will believe their parents and brothers dealing with jealousy and contention and sometimes forgiving each other. Overall, there is power in this imperfect family's example of faith. And I love that introduction because it makes it a little bit more real, doesn't it? As you read through that background, that introduction, doesn't it sound a little bit like your own experience with your own family? And I think that's the main reason why the Book of Mormon starts out this way, which is principle one. The whole premise of the beginning of the book is about a journey, a journey with a family. And again, there's a reason that the Book of Mormon starts out with the story of a family's journey out of Jerusalem and being led towards the promised land. And you know what? There's a reason I believe that the Bible starts in a very similar way. It starts with the children of Israel and is centered around their journey out of Egypt being led to a promised land of their own. Both books of Scripture ironically center around the Lord taking His people, those that love and follow Him, and then leading them out of the world into a better place, to a promised land. Right off the bat, we also see the covenant path being presented to God's children through this process. Trust me, follow me, and I will lead you out of the world and will lead you to a promised land or a covenanted land, a land that I promise or covenant with you will be better, one that will be worth it. Both Egypt and Jerusalem at the time were very wicked places and were ripening for destruction. And this was the Lord's effort to save his children and lead them away from that destruction, out of the world into a better place. And ironically, we are in a very similar situation. One day this world and all the wickedness that is in it will experience great destruction. The places, in other words, that you and I are in will one day be destroyed, much like Jerusalem and Egypt was. But the Lord is telling us, as he did them, that I can and will protect you by leading you out of it and to a place where you will be safe and be able to find joy. And I think it's imperative that we see that that is what he is doing with each of us and with our families. Now, there's a great cross-referencing scripture that I would encourage you to write somewhere here just at the very beginning in front of the Book of Mormon, which is Doctrine and Covenants section 52, verse 14, where the Lord says, I will give unto you a pattern in all things. 
that ye may not be deceived. For Satan is abroad in the land, and he goeth forth deceiving the nations. Especially that phrase, I will give unto a pattern in all things, is one that I want you to remember and to hold on to. In fact, I will refer to that thought and to this scripture often as it's these patterns that we want to look for and find. And they are literally in everything around us, but especially here in Scripture. And here at the beginning of the Book of Mormon is a pattern that can bless our lives if we can see it for what it is. Because this family's journey is our journey. There are lessons to learn and to be learned from theirs that can bless us and guide us in our own journey. So much so that at the conclusion of their journey, in fact... If you notice, the Lord inspires Nephi for some reason to write several chapters that include the words of Isaiah. Now, let's be honest. How many of us have started the Book of Mormon only to hit the wall of Isaiah chapters and then falter in our study and reading? So much so that then later, what do we decide to do? Well, it's been so long since I've read it. I better just start over. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, and I imagine it's probably happened to you as well. It's almost as if the Lord wants us to read this story over and over and over again. He wants us to internalize this journey in a profound way, because again, this is exactly what he is doing with us, and this is what he is doing with you. He is trying to lead you and I out of the world and to our own promised land that being of the celestial kingdom. Now, will it be easy? No, it will not. We will need to let go of of much of what we have, much of what we know, and much of what we love that is of the world and go through our own figurative wilderness just like they did. In fact, this was the very problem that the Lord had with the children of Israel and with Laman and Lemuel in this particular family. Even with all the incredible miracles and blessings that attended both in their journeys and their liberation from the world, It was so much easier for the Lord to get them out of the world than it was to get the world out of them. Both the children of Israel and Laman and Lemuel may have left their figurative world with Egypt and Jerusalem, but they never stopped wanting to go back, complaining and murmuring every step of the way. Here in this story, in this example, this family, we see both examples. We see the inner journey of Nephi and of Laman and Lemuel to get the world out of them and the results and consequences of each. And then we're left to decide for ourselves which example we want to follow and the kind of heart that we want to have, to say nothing of the kind of life that we want to live. The journey to get the world out of us may not be an easy one and at times might be rather difficult and painful, but the Lord promises us that it will be worth it. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, one of my favorite verses I've referenced many times, the Lord says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What a wonderful promise for us to hold on to, especially when the journey gets hard. So, as you read and study this amazing story in the coming weeks, Look for patterns that can be applied into your own journey out of the world. You may not necessarily wake up one morning to find a ball of curious workmanship like the Liahona outside your door, but you know what? You've been given your own personal compass when you were baptized called the Holy Ghost, and you're given a patriarchal blessing that also can act as a compass and direct your path just as powerfully as the Liahona did for them. 
You may not be asked to leave your home and all your possessions, but I'm pretty sure you'll be asked to let go of some things at some times. Maybe friends that are not the best for you or habits that are destructive or desires for good things that just may not be coming to you in the way or time that you wanted them to. And to trust that regardless of what is lost, there will be so much more to be gained by trusting the Lord and following Him on this journey. You may not be asked to build a a ship, but you will be asked to do things that you don't know how to do, and you will need to trust that the Lord will show you from time to time how to do them. Those are the kind of patterns that you want to look for and find in your study of not just the beginning of the Book of Mormon, but all the way through it. Now, one quick thought about all of this is to be patient with yourself on your journey, especially when you get frustrated at how hard the journey is or how hard it is to let go of the world and certain things that may be love. Even Nephi, and I think this is important to recognize, even Nephi is struggled with what was being asked of him. In 1 Nephi chapter 1.16, we gain an insight into his struggle when he writes, And it came to pass that I, Nephi, being exceedingly young, nevertheless being large in stature, and also having great desires to know the mysteries of God, wherefore I did cry unto the Lord, and behold, he did visit me, and did soften my heart, that I did believe all the words which had been spoken by my father, wherefore I did not rebel unto him like unto my brothers." I want you to understand and think of this. How could Nephi have had his heart softened if it wasn't first hardened? He didn't want to leave his home. He didn't want to leave his friends, his possessions, his community, and everything that he knew and loved in Jerusalem. He clearly struggled with that and with what was being asked of him, but he turned to the Lord and prayed until he was visited of the Lord and his heart was softened. Now, there is a great pattern for us to follow when we struggle with whatever is being asked of us. As a part of that answer, the Lord tells him something that I want you to mark and that if you look for, you will see repeated over and over and over in your study of the Book of Mormon this year. Maybe more so than any other promise in the book. It is a promise that can guide us powerfully on our own journey. And it's in 1 Nephi chapter 1, verse 20, which records, And inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper. That phrase right there is one that I want you to mark whenever you see it, as often as you see it, as you go through your study of the Book of Mormon this year, because you will see it time and time and time again. It concludes by saying, And ye shall be led to a land of promise, yea, even a land which I have prepared for you, yea, a land which is choice above all other lands. That was his promise to Nephi, and that is his promise to you and me. Some questions for you to consider. First of all, what similarities have you seen already in your own journey with that of Nephi's family's journey? What role did prophets play especially in the beginning of this journey and in being led out of Jerusalem and all along the rest of the way. How have you felt the Lord calling you out of the world? Has there ever been anything that was asked of you to do by your parents or the Lord that upset you and maybe caused your heart to be hardened? What can you learn from Nephi's experience to help you during those hard times? How have you experienced prosperity from keeping the Lord's commandments? 
And what are some of the things that he maybe has asked you or is asking you now to leave behind and to trust him that things will one day be better? Now for principle number two, this is one of my favorites in really all the Book of Mormon. And it's in chapter one, verse 20. The Jews had cast out and slain many of the prophets that were sent to them up to this point. They were just simply trying to warn them and call them to repentance before Jerusalem was destroyed. And although Nephi's father's life is in danger as he was one of those prophets, Nephi points out that one of the things he wants to show in his writings and to all those that read those writings and his story is that I, Nephi, he says, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. Now, I hope that you're familiar with that phrase, the tender mercies of the Lord. If not, I want you to become familiar with it because it is imperative in our journey to be able to recognize those tender mercies as they are bestowed on us. Elder Bednar has been largely responsible for bringing to light this scripture and the concept of tender mercies and helping all of us to better understand what the Lord's tender mercies are and how to recognize them. In his amazing and and wonderful talk titled, The Tender Mercies of the Lord, Elder Bednar points out a few things to help us understand what they are and what they look like. In his talk, he shared an experience where he was a newly called apostle at the time and was about to speak for the first time. And before it was his turn, there was an intermediate hymn that was sung. Now, I can only imagine all the pressure and the emotion that was weighing on him in this moment of about to address the entire church for the first time. And of all the songs he said that could have been picked, he said the one that ended up being chosen long before he ever was called to even be an apostle was his favorite hymn. And as his tears filled with eyes in singing and and listening to that song being sung, he had come to his mind, he said, that, that phrase from Nephi's writings, the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith. He said he knew in that moment he had personally received just such a tender mercy for him. He said, through personal study, observation, pondering, and prayer, I believe that I have come to better understand that the Lord's tender mercies are the very personal and individualized blessings, strength, protection, assurances, guidance, loving kindnesses, consolation, support, and spiritual gifts, which we receive from and because of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, the Lord suits his mercies according to the conditions of the children of men. He then shared in his talk a rather heartbreaking story of a loving father and husband who, while in the military, had been killed recently in Iraq during the Christmas season. And while his family was struggling, obviously, with the grief of their loss, a letter arrived in the mail, a Christmas card that was postmarked by this father and husband before this man's death, but that had arrived after he had been killed. And then he proceeded to read an excerpt from it, which said, To the best family in the world, have a great time together and remember the true meaning of Christmas. The Lord has made it possible for us to be together forever. So even when we are apart, we will still be together as a family. God bless and keep you all safe and grant this Christmas to be our gift of love from us to him above. All my love, Daddy 
and your loving husband. He said this family received a timely message of love and comfort and peace that helped them hold on to their faith that they would be together again one day. Elder Bednar then pointed out that, as I indicated earlier, he said the Lord's tender mercies do not occur randomly or merely by coincidence. Faithfulness, obedience, and humility invite tender mercies into our lives, and it is often the Lord's timing that enables us to recognize and treasure these important blessings. As we come to see these gifts for what they are, these tender mercies, it helps us to know that we're not alone on this journey, that God is with us, that He is with us every step of the way, and that He will be there to support us and strengthen us, especially when we go through hard things. I remember another example, this one from my own personal life, where I was teaching a a class in seminary, and I invited my students to kind of put the world away for a time, to go a, a period of about a week without looking at social media or spending time with technology on their phone, video games, all those kinds of things, whatever they felt they needed to kind of leave behind and to just focus on strengthening their faith. Well, towards the end of that little exercise and challenge that I gave them, I had a student come up to me and say, hey, Brother Downs, I just want you to know something. I decided to stay off of technology for a week like you asked. I didn't want to check email or social media, any of that, and I just focused on reading my scriptures. However, while I was doing that, I got a very important email from a job that I had applied to, to work at a radio station, something I've been wanting to do for so long. And because I didn't see it, I missed that opportunity. Why would the Lord punish me for doing something that was right? (laughs) Boy, what do you say to something like that? The only thought I had was to give him a copy of this talk, The Tender Mercies of the Lord, and invite him to read it for himself and see if there was something in there that might give him an answer. He came back a couple days later and he said, Brother Downs, it's going to be okay. He said, I don't know all the reasons why that happened, but I think it could have actually been a tender mercy of the Lord because the timing was too coincidental that I just happened to miss that opportunity. Maybe that wasn't something that I was supposed to do that was supposed to be a part of my life or my journey after all. I'm going to be okay. Thank you for sharing that, Brother Downs. <laughs> so I didn't share anything with you. The Lord taught you as you went through and read that talk and put your faith and trust in him and that really is the bottom line for each of us as we keep his commandments and put ourselves in a position to be chosen through our love and for our obedience to the lord his tender mercies are more fully poured out upon us and in our lives and on our journeys and we will come to see him better as a result of it Now, a couple of key questions for you to consider about this thought and principle. Why do you think, first of all, Nephi wants to show this aspect of his journey to us? Why is it so important that we learn to see the tender mercies of the Lord in our own lives? What is a tender mercy that you have experienced lately? And how has the timing of it helped you to see it as a tender mercy? How has it strengthened your faith in Christ? How has it helped you to recognize his involvement in your life and his love for you personally? And what can you do or what will you do to put yourself in an even better position to receive more of those blessings? Now for the final principle today, we're going to focus on the story of getting the plates of brass, the I will go and do, which is the theme of this week's study. There's so many great elements to this story. We don't have time to go through all of them. But in this story, we really find one of the hallmark scriptures in the Book of Mormon, and really all of scripture for that matter, 
and that's in 1 Nephi chapter 3, verse 7, where Nephi is facing the rather difficult task of returning to Jerusalem to get the brass plates, and where he expresses his faith in God by stating to his father, Father, I will go and do the things which the Lord hath commanded. For I know that the Lord giveth no commandments unto the children of men, save he shall prepare a way for them, that they may accomplish the thing which he commandeth them. That faith from that verse and that statement would propel Nephi forward against failure. It would propel him forward against disappointment and doubt and despair. When Laman and Lemuel wanted return and give up, it led him to say to them, Let us be faithful unto the Lord. For if he could help Moses the way that he did, then why can't he help us? And he is mightier than Laman and his fifty, or Laman and his hundreds, or thousands, or tens of thousands. That faith would push him forward to take a step into the unknown, being led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which he should do and every other step along the way on his journey through the wilderness. I love the saying that goes something like this, don't tell your God how big the storm is, but tell your storm how big your God is. That is exactly what Nephi is doing. While Laman and Lemuel were complaining about how big the storm was, Nephi was trying to remind them how big their God was. From his example, we can come to learn and recognize that the place that we can go to to find faith in the present is the past. That's the value of Scripture. The faith behind Nephi's go-and-do statement was found in all the stories that he had read previously in Scripture of Moses and others that had gone before. His faith in God to help him in his challenges and difficulties came from the Scriptures, which is why these chapters conclude with, after having obtained the brass plates, these words in chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. It's Nephi's observation as he points out, and we had obtained the records which the Lord commanded us, and searched them, and found that they were desirable, yea, even of great worth unto us, insomuch that we could preserve the commandments of the Lord unto our children. Wherefore, it was wisdom in the Lord that we should carry them with us as we journeyed in the wilderness towards the promised land. Now, can we say the same of the scriptures in our own life? Have we gone through whatever process that we need to to make sure that we obtain them and take them with us on our journey? Have we searched them enough to discover for ourselves that they are, in fact, of great worth to us? Can we see the wisdom behind the gift that they are to us, and in particular the Book of Mormon, and how it can help each of us on our own journeys and in our own life? And again, how closely are we carrying them with us as we travel on that journey? When is the last time that you held them? When is the last time that you opened them? Where are they right now in this moment? Are they up on a shelf collecting dust? Are they next to your bed, ready to be read? What lengths are you willing to go through in order to make sure that the scriptures are a part of your journey and part of your life? What obstacles will you need to overcome that stand in your way that are kind of like a Laban was for Nephi? What doubts might hold you back from getting them in your life? What things might you need to give up in order to make more time to have to study them? How can your faith lead you to obtaining them in your own life? How can you allow them to lead you even though you may not know or understand how they can? Let me give you two great quotes for you to consider about the value of Scripture in your life and on your journey. And these are both from Elder Scott. 
In October of 2011, in General Conference, Elder Scott, in a talk titled The Power of Scripture, said, The Scriptures are like packets of light that illuminate our minds and give place to guidance and inspiration from on high. They can become the key to open the channel to communication with our Father in Heaven and His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. The Scriptures provide the strength of authority to our declarations when they are cited correctly. They can become stalwart friends that are not limited by geography or calendar. They are always available when needed. Their use provides a foundation of truth that can be awakened by the Holy Ghost. Learning, pondering, searching, and memorizing Scripture is like filling a filing cabinet with friends, values, and truths that can be called upon anytime, anywhere in the world. Gosh, I love that statement. And I love looking at studying scriptures as simply collecting friends, friends that you can be called on at any time, in any place, in any way, when you need them to help you. In another talk in October of 2004, General Conference titled, Make the Exercise of Faith Your First Priority. This is a big one, and I share this especially with all those that are are young out there. I want you to listen carefully to his words here. He says, don't yield to Satan's lie that you don't have time to study the scriptures. Choose to take time to study them. Feasting on the word of God each day is more important than sleep, than school, than work, than television shows, than video games or social media. You may need to reorganize your priorities to provide time for the study of the Word of God. If so, do it. I share that one, understanding the pressures that you are under, especially as young people, or as parents, or anyone listening. But one of my favorite quotes of all time comes from President Benson when he said, When you put God first, all other things will fall into their proper place or drop out of your life. I have had many students over the years who did not understand how taking time away from homework to read the scriptures could actually help improve their grades. But time and time again, they would come back and tell me that it did. I know of friends and adults that didn't understand how taking the time away from work or or even their family or other things that they loved could help them to be better in whatever it was that they were striving to do. But time and time again, they would find that it works. It truly is wisdom in God that we carry these scriptures with us on our journey through the wilderness. Again, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Book of Mormon starts with the story of a family's journey out of the world through the wilderness into the promised land. But I also don't think it's a coincidence that one of the first things that they do and that they make sure they have before they get very far is the scriptures, is the word of God to take with them as they journey to help, to bless, to assist, to guide, to counsel, and direct their path for good. A couple of key questions to end on this week. Number one, what do you admire about Nephi's statement, I will go and do? What do you like about that? Why do you think Nephi's response was that, while Laman and Lemuel's was mostly complaining and murmuring? What's the difference that you have come to see between the two? How can you be more like Nephi? whenever you're asked to do or go through difficult things. What stories in the scriptures have you been able to look back on to draw faith from the most? What examples from your past have been the most influential in helping you face hard things in your life and have strengthened your faith when facing those things? 
How have you come to discover the value of the Book of Mormon and of Scripture in your own life? How closely are you carrying them with you on your journey? And what can you do to carry them a little closer with you as you travel day by day? I hope that's been helpful. And trust me, there are so many amazing things for you to find this week as you go through and study these scriptures. Look for those patterns that mirror your own life and your own life's journey. And the greatest of all those patterns that you have to look for and find are those patterns that testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, that is what this book is all about. And he himself said in the Pearl of Great Price that all things have been created and made to bear record of me. So above all else, look for him in everything that you read. As always, remember that person is greatest and most blessed and joyful whose life most closely approaches the pattern of the Christ. This has nothing to do with earthly wealth, power, or prestige. The only true test of greatness, blessedness, and joyfulness is how close a life can come to being like the Master Jesus Christ. He is the right way, the full truth, and the abundant life, and he invites us all to come follow me. So, as always, let's follow him better this week and become a little better as we follow him. You know, if I could just ask of each of you one thing here quickly, if you haven't left me a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this, would you mind just taking a moment and leaving those reviews? That helps so much. Push those up in the podcasting platform world and helping others to discover a particular podcast for themselves. I would greatly appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you. And don't forget that you can access the study and learning guide this week as well as the transcript from my website or those show notes. Until next week, everyone, I'm Josh Downs, and you've been listening to Come Follow Me for Teens.